We're using the story of Joseph out of Genesis 37 to talk about the topic of the complexity of forgiveness. And so you'd like to turn to Genesis 37 and get ready. We'll be there in just a minute. But one of the reasons why forgiveness is complex is because of the pain that's involved. And Pastor Danny talked about that last week, that even as we start talking about words like forgiveness or betrayal or those kinds of concepts, we find out quickly how complex it can be. There's so much pain in our lives. And as a pastor, I just have to let you know, all my life, I've heard story after story after story. And, and yeah, I've got my stories too. There's pain in my life. There's pain in my family's life. All of us have pain. We come into this world, into a broken world, and we've got pain. But I would hazard a guess that I, I have heard probably most kinds of stories, every kind of story uh, imaginable in terms of relational fallout. And the pain is really, really deep. Um, now, last week, Pastor Danny launched us into this topic of the complexity of forgiveness by looking at the backstory of betrayal. And we looked at Joseph's life uh, early on. We saw sort of the history of what Danny called this dysfunctional blended family. And, and that might be a family that you're in right now. Maybe not blended, but it might be very dysfunctional. It's working, but not really working. There's dynamics, there's issues, there are things that are going on that, that are causing tensions and people are not getting along. <laughs> And there's some relational fallout that happens as a result, a result of that. And sometimes the relational fallout is extreme. Um, now, if you've been through an extreme fallout in a relationship, uh, you know the pain that's there. Um, it could be a marital issue. I'll never forget the story of a, of a woman who came to me and told me the story that her husband, who was having an affair that she didn't know about, had accidentally pocket called her when he was with the woman he was having an affair with. She wasn't able to pick up the phone at the time. The message went to voicemail, and when she got back to collect the message, of course, she heard all the conversation and all the things going on in her husband's life. This was, this was her moment of betrayal. And of course, she was a wreck, and tears and crying, and how do I deal with this? And how she had gone to her husband, confronted him, and how he had just basically coldly looked back to her and said, well, our marriage is over. And, and he just kind of came out with it that way. Some of us have had those kind of blunt edge, instant kinds of moments where the betrayal is right there in our face. Uh, maybe for some of us, it might be when we were a child and we remember our parents sitting down with us and telling us that they were not going to stay married. And in a sense, even though it wasn't aimed at you, you felt a certain level of betrayal there that, that marked your life in many ways. Maybe it's a, a child that you're raising right now who was a great child. I know somebody right now who um, I'm in contact with. Their child was uh, a really loving follower of Christ growing up um, in the church. They moved out of the area. Uh, he felt a little displaced. Now he's in his mid-teens and he's kind of going down the wrong path. And he's just been sort of betraying their family week after week, and it's creating such a terrible situation in their home. The pain is so great, it's unrelenting. Uh, these are just a couple of examples. You have your own examples, times where you remember the place, you remember 
what the weather was like. You remember what you were doing when the news came to you, when the betrayal became known. It's so painful. So last week, the backstory of the betrayal. This week, we're actually looking at the betrayal that Joseph went through. Now, Joseph, you know, he, he started out in this dysfunctional blended family, and uh, he was sort of the, the favored child. And, um, you know, Joseph could probably do no wrong because the Bible tells us in Genesis 37, 3, that, that Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his brothers. And here was Joseph, the number 11 out of 12 living with four moms, his dad, 10 brothers, and one soon-to-be, Benjamin. And this was just a story waiting, in a way, for some problems. Because Joseph was a good kid. Joseph obviously had a vision from God. He had his dreams. Um, But that wasn't helping him out because his brothers were becoming fueled with jealousy, perhaps envy, and they wanted to do something about it. And so here's where we find Joseph today. We want to go into this moment of Joseph's betrayal, the betrayal moment in his life. And so we're going to pick it up here in chapter 37. If you have your Bible, you want to turn there with me, if you haven't already. Genesis 37, beginning in verse... Actually, we're going to drop down into verse uh, middle of 17. Uh, Joseph is out on an errand. He's looking for his brothers. And he hears that they're in a place called Dothan. So in the middle of verse 17, Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that the ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, Reuben was the oldest, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And then the next phrase, as they sat down to eat their meal. Story goes on from there. This is Joseph's betrayal moment. I mean, can you imagine what he was thinking as he rolled up to his brothers and suddenly they attack him, they strip him of his jacket and they throw him into this cistern and he has no idea what's going on. What I want to do today in the short time that we have together is I want to show us what happens and how we respond oftentimes in these betrayal moments and why they're so dangerous, why why they create such complexity in our lives. But then I want to pivot those realities with a more important reality, and that is something about God that we need to know. And many of the things that we're going to see here actually come right out of the story of Joseph but we'll look in some other places for a few of them. So here's here's what we want to do. We want to look at the realities of what Joseph is going through, but look and pivot on some greater realities that all of us can hold on to in the betrayal moments that we're going through. It's sort of like what Paul says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but uh, uh, but we're not crushed. Uh, We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. 
We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And I love how Paul uses that because he's talking about, here's one reality, but here's a more important reality. And that's what I want to do in this text today with us. I want us to look at some realities, the difficulty of betrayal moments, but then I want us to see something way more important. All right. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want you to see. The thing about betrayal moments is this. They usually come out of nowhere. What I mean by that is we don't expect them. We don't expect the pocket call from our husband with a description of what's going on in the part of his life that he doesn't want to be known. We're not ready. We're not prepared for the person to come to us and sort of lay out this betrayal moment. Our business partner sort of you know, fessing up to the fact that they're dealing with some other things and so they've sold off part of the business or they've done something unethical and they didn't include you in the decision making or whatever it was. That betrayal moment is hard because you didn't expect it. It wasn't something you were planning for. And, and yet I would put a little asterisk next to that because like we learned from last week, there are some times where there's an explanation for things that are going on, even if they're not excusable. I remember the wife sitting in my office telling me about the husband with the pocket call and she was saying, you know, I knew my husband was spending a lot of time, extra hours at work and he was doing things that I, I didn't know about, but I just trusted him. You see, sometimes there's things we look back on and we say, oh, now I sort of understand. But in the moment, all of those things are obscured from us and sometimes they never come out. We never would have expected a behavior of someone that we love. We never would have expected the betrayal that somebody puts onto us. And so here's Joseph's betrayal moment. The deed is done. In a few short minutes, Joseph goes from perhaps the annoying little brother to someone who, uh, who has been cast down, roughed up, and maybe even left for dead. These things come out of nowhere. But here's, here's the thing I want to pivot on just a little bit. The more important reality for Joseph and for you, if you're going through one of these betrayal moments in your life, or if you look back on that moment that was so difficult for you, the thing that I come to realize is that we shouldn't be surprised by the brokenness of our world. If you want to sort of pivot off of the surprise of the brokenness or the betrayal moment, think about it this way. We shouldn't be surprised because God isn't surprised. God has seen all this. God sees our lives from beginning to end. He knows all the betrayal moments. He knows all the things that people are going to do, say in our lives. And by the way, that's why Jesus came so often we live in this world and we think that this world needs to be perfect. Our relationship should be perfect. If we're Christians, we shouldn't have any problems. And we go through life with sort of this, you know, view of everything being just so, just right. And then when we experience the betrayal moment, we just can't believe it and our lives fall apart. And sometimes those things start forming us. We don't trust people anymore the way we used to trust them because of the betrayal moment. We don't trust relationships like we used to. We stay out of relationships. We might become a recluse. We might become embittered. We might become resentful. And sort of the character of our lives takes on the tone of that betrayal moment. But one thing that can help us when we've had those kinds of moments is to realize that brokenness is a part of this world and we shouldn't be surprised by it. You know, Jesus even addresses this in John 16, Jesus said, 
In this world, you will have trouble, but take courage, take heart, I've overcome the world. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow for each day has enough trouble of its own. Job, one of the most amazing books in the Bible that talk about uh, betrayal. And by the way, sometimes the betrayal moment in our lives is wondering, gee, has God betrayed us? And here's Job in a moment where he could have been thinking like, has God left his throne? Is God no longer in charge of my life? What does he say? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I love the book of Ecclesiastes too. It gives such a clear picture of the way life is here on earth. And Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Remember when the Apostle Paul was going through the uh, area of Asia Minor and, and strengthening the churches that he had founded in Jesus Christ. In chapter 14, 22, he says, let's go back through and, and, and tell the people, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. So betrayal moments usually come as a surprise, but let's not be surprised. God has already seen these things happen. He saw what was going to happen in Joseph's life. And the question of why God allowed it is certainly under the uh, category of God's providential care for us, God working out his purposes and his plans for us. But it's no surprise to God. Perhaps today, maybe you're in that moment of your life where you're wondering, gee, in my betrayal moment, does God know? Does God care? And I just want to encourage you with the fact that God already sees, God knows what you're going through, and you can trust him now. Which brings us to the next little movement in the story. And that, that is that not only betrayal moments come out of nowhere, but here's another thing I've learned and I see here in the story is that betrayal moments are often the beginning of either, even deeper and more difficult moments to come. Betrayal moments are often the beginning of even deeper and more difficult moments to come. Now let's unpack this a little when we look at Joseph's life. I mean, here he is. Now you would think, wow, could it get any worse? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. I mean, can you imagine Joseph sitting in this cistern and he's hearing his brothers perhaps in earshot wondering what they're going to do with him and wondering if he's going to die there in the cistern. And then what's really fascinating to me is it tells us in the text that suddenly as they were eating together and sort of discussing things, along comes a caravan of Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites uh, and, and Midianites, both are mentioned in this text and we won't take time to read through it all, but here's the summary of what takes place. The brothers decide, you know what? We don't have to kill our brother we can actually make a profit on this. Let's just sell him into slavery. So Joseph's bad day is about to get worse because, well, maybe in a sense he's thinking, well, I'm gonna get out of this pit, but now he's being trafficked and he's going to a place, he doesn't even know where he's going, probably until he got into the caravan and discovers that they're en route to Egypt and they're going down and Joseph knows that he's going to be sold as someone's servant in Egypt. And we know that Joseph's story has a lot to go from here. And there's some ups and there's some downs. There's some highs and there's some lows. And Joseph first, in probably what seems like a crisis moment, um, gets brought into Potiphar's home. And Potiphar was one of the officials of Pharaoh. 
and, and I'm not going to steal the thunder of future weeks here, but I just want to pause and recognize that for Joseph in his moment of betrayal, it was actually the beginning of more difficult moments to come because Joseph is going to spend time in prison while he's there. He's going to be falsely accused of crimes that he didn't commit. There's going to be a bunch of highs and a bunch of lows, and that's what happens in betrayal moments. There's a lot of story that continues down the road in our lives. But here's what I want you to pivot on. I want you to think about in those betrayal moments that oftentimes are the start of a lot of other carnage that happens in our life. Here's what I want you to see. God promises to work all things out for our good. Now I know that somebody listening to that right now, you're thinking about your betrayal moment and you can't even put words on it. Maybe you've never even told anybody, anybody about it because it is just so raw for you. And now you're hearing somebody say, but don't worry, you know, God's gonna bring good out of this for your life. I realize that sometimes it feels like salt in our wound when we hear that, but let's not forget that scripture gives us anchoring points in our lives to save us from future destruction on the basis of past betrayals. No matter what we have gone through, without qualification, the Bible tells us that we can trust that God is working out something for our good. Now, the Bible doesn't always tell us. In fact, it rarely tells us exactly how he's going to do that. However, let's not forget that the good that we're learning about from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where we get this amazing axiom from, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his plan. Let's not forget that the good there is the forming of Christ in us. And so whatever betrayal we've been through, whatever heartache we've been through, consider the good that God wants to do in your heart in making you more like his son who experienced the greatest betrayal of all, which we'll get to in a minute. God is working out something for your good. You know, there's an Old Testament passage that relates to this. It's in Jeremiah chapter 29. And I remember the first time reading this passage because I began ministry across the bay in a little church, uh, First Baptist Church of San Mateo. And my first job, sort of legitimate pastoring job, youth pastor job, I, I was in a church in San Jose. And it was a beautiful experience. I got to know so many young people, discipled them. I was only there actually for about 18 months. But in those 18 months, God did an amazing, extraordinary work. Some of those students went off to be pastors and leaders in churches. I'm in contact with some of them, became missionaries. It was a, a dear, sweet time in my life. But about month 14 of that experience where things were really moving and things were really going, and I thought, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life, we went through a pastoral change, a senior pastor change. And I remember the church kind of got shaken up a little bit. I mean, he had just retired, stepped down, but uh, the church began looking for an outside pastor. And I remember at the time, there was talk about all the pastors sort of losing their positions. And I remember one of the leaders, a trusted leader in the church, came to me and said, Larry, we love what you're doing here. We want you to know that your job is secure. Nothing's going to happen. It's all going to be great. And I'm like, you know, this young 21-year-old kid or whatever. And I'm like, this is awesome. No worries. I'm fine. 
But in a matter of a few months, that person, and I don't think he meant to do it, but that person betrayed what he said to me. Everything changed. A person was hired, my job was taken out. Um, it was a really hard time for me in my life. And, and because I felt like I had been lied to. Like my position was secure, but actually it wasn't secure. Now, you know, if, if, if I wasn't, by the grace of God, protected from becoming bitter, you know, I could have looked at church politics and, oh, that's the way churches are. And I could have just, and I know people that go through hard things in churches um, and, and become very embittered toward the church. And I've been very sensitive to that all my life because I experienced that myself personally. But God was so good to show me Jeremiah 29, 11, one day when all this had kind of broken in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I thought my life was over. I'm 21 and I'm already out of a pastorate. And what am I going to do? And I came across this verse and I had read it in Old Testament survey when I had gone through the book of Jeremiah, but it never stood out to me like it did that day where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a, a future and a hope. And those words became like galvanizing uh, protection around my heart. I'll never forget after spending time with the Lord that day in, in that portion of scripture, just going, Lord, I got nothing to worry about here because I know that you have a plan that you're working out in my life. And by the way, we see this in the life of Joseph. Near the end of the story, actually at the end of the story of Joseph, Genesis 50, Joseph promises, makes his sons promise that they will, after his death, take his bones and bring them out of Egypt and up to the land of Canaan. And we see that in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 22nd verse, where it says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, and what does it say? He goes to his family and he causes them to say, Take my bones out of Egypt. He, he actually forecasts the exodus, knowing that the Israelites were going to one day leave Egypt. And that's not for a long time after Joseph dies. But Joseph has such faith in the promises of God that God is working things out for his good. He's saying, make sure my bones get back to my home, the land of Canaan. That is an amazing truth. And by the way, sometimes the good that God's going to build in our life and the good that he's going to make out of the betrayal moment of our life maybe isn't going to happen until we actually get to heaven. Romans 8.18 says, for I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing to the glories that await us. Sometimes we have to have an eternal perspective on things. And if your betrayal moment has spun you into a life of absolute despair, would you pivot on this point and see that God in some way is going to bring good to your life? These kinds of moments are hard because number one, they come out of nowhere. Two, they often are the beginning of a series of even more difficult moments. Which brings me to the last thing that sometimes these moments, betrayal moments, seem absolutely hopeless. I can't imagine how many times Joseph thought, my life is over. It's done. Where? 
do I go from here? You might be feeling that way on the other side of a divorce, on the other side of the loss of a family member. You might be experiencing today uh, an unrelenting pain and you feel hopeless. I want you to pivot on that reality because it can be a reality. I want you to pivot on that reality with a greater reality. And that is when life seems hopeless, don't forget that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You say, where do you see this in the text? Well, it's not in Genesis 37, but when Joseph is later on in one of those further moments of despair as a result of this whole trajectory of his life, Genesis 39, 20 and 21, listen to this. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. I just love the fact that God gives us this little glimpse that when you're in that moment, your betrayal moment, when you're in the prison, when you're in the fallout, when you're in the aftermath, when your life has fallen apart, the Lord is with you. I love Isaiah 43. Listen to me as I read it. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, the Lord says. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Watch this. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. This is our God. Life can seem hopeless. But never forget that God never leaves us. Never forsakes us. Okay. So that's a betrayal moment. Comes out of nowhere. Often leads to even more desperate moments. We can feel absolutely hopeless. But don't forget, God's not surprised. He's got a plan. And he's never, never going to leave you. Now, why can we take confidence in this story? Danny alluded to it last week, but there's, there's this whisper, even at this stage of the story, about something that's going to happen later. The only way God chose to take Joseph out of where he was in Canaan and take him down to Egypt where he could actually make a difference, not only for Egypt, but for his homeland to, serve, to cause Israel to survive, was to send him there by the way he was sent. It was betrayal that took Joseph to a place of saving his people. Why is Joseph oftentimes seen as a type of Christ? Because Jesus Christ was betrayed so that he could be our Savior. Judas gave up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus went to a cross he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. He lost it all so we could gain it all. And today, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, that's where your betrayal moment can pivot.
and you can experience the life he has for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the story of Joseph. And I know, Lord, this has been a hard message today for some of us because it's taken us back to that moment of betrayal in our own lives that is so hard. But God, thank you that you came to heal the brokenness of this world. Thank you that you have a plan and thank you that you never leave us. And I pray for that one right now who who's never experienced that beauty, your love, your forgiveness, your heart. May that person simply reach out and receive your love, receive your forgiveness, and embrace you as their Lord and Savior today. Lord, thank you for teaching us today. Forgiveness is complex, but Lord, before you, we can have great confidence that we can be forgiven and we can experience the forgiveness of others and we can bestow it where we need to. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.